Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we hear stories from everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. All right, well, here we go. We are now officially live. I want to welcome uh, my very esteemed guest all the way from two slips over. We got Richard. Richard, how you doing? Hello, fine, Jerome. How you doing there? Okay. Uh, not too bad, you know, got a lot of projects done. Uh, yeah. As you know, I'm getting ready to yeah. sail north, and uh, so yeah. I got, you know, the deadlines as they draw in, the more and more stuff yeah. I end up doing. Yeah, suddenly you get the, everything starts to fall in on you. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that date keeps creeping up. But mm-hmm. um, I guess let's, let's just start off how I normally do, and uh, what sort of boat are you floating on? Uh, I, I've got a CNC 30 Mark II for is uh, my my sailboat. So, and how how big is that? It's just it's actually just 30 foot 29.9. Oh, okay, 30 feet. Yeah, and it's definitely a a much faster, sleeker sort of racing. It's kind of a, a racing type boat, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it, I mean, that's why it was a hot rod in the old days. You know, back when it was built, and uh, actually they took the whole design and they still build it it's uh but now it's all built out of carbon fiber and stuff like that so what what year is it mine's 80, an 87 oh okay it's old boat yeah well i mean <laughs> mine's an old yeah. 1970s so <laughs> yeah i know it's funny how old you know it is strange i mean so many times i i just the years just fall off because yeah. now when I think of just things that were in the 80s in my childhood, I, I used to think, oh, it wasn't that long ago, but now it's like almost 40 years yeah. ago. Well, good boats last forever. I mean, yours is a Cree lock and this is a ball. Right, right, and right. I mean, both, you know, good, great designers. So. Well, and as far as, so yours is a fiberglass boat, obviously, but it has, it, it must have either a foam or a balsa core to it, right? To keep the weight down, um, the cab, the roof, the top side is uh, balsa, but a lot of it is is solid in the hull itself. Yeah, well, yeah. she's she's definitely strong because I, I think your mast is actually taller than mine. Yeah, it's a uh, not quite fifty. Not quite fifty. Yeah, I meant like forty five. I think from the water, Ooh, little from the sh- water. Yeah, short. No, this yeah. Is- yeah, you're short boat. So I, I know, be. I know. Well, well it, and the the <laughs> sparrow tries to make up for it with that huge bowsprit and the boomkin, so yeah. it's it's trying to show off. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, but those high uh, the faster winds are up higher, so that's true. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't I don't have many adjustments that I can make to, you know the 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 rake of the mast or the the twist in the mast or any of that sort of stuff but i'm oh. sure on your boat you've got all those controls yeah, if, there, if there's a tweak uh, a tweak device that that boat's got it on yeah, there. I mean, yeah it's yeah. got cunning hams and baby stays and all of this kind of stuff so anything and everything yeah well anything that you could do to slightly alter the shale sh- the sail shape right 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 <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, you know, one one of the reasons I, I definitely wanted to have a, a chat with you was, you know, the amount of projects that I see you getting into <laughs> and the depth 
at which you do these things is is astounding to me. So just a, a background on some, I, I keep my boat as dead simple as possible. Mm-hmm. One, because, you, you know, if I'm out at sea for months at a time, I have to keep things, you know, from breaking down. But also, I have a tendency of uh, taking things apart and not being able to put them back together or <laughs> screwing them up. That's a problem, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think you have that problem. I mean, you know, what was it last, a few days ago, you were taking apart your radar dome. Yeah. So one, I guess, wh- where did you sort of develop the skill set to be able to do that sort of stuff? Uh, well, you know, I'm getting on in years, and I've been into things for a long time. I um i guess it's if you go far enough back i mean i went uh, back in the old days um uh, i got a i had a choice i could either uh you know pick up a rifle and go slogging around in the jungles of vietnam or what i did instead is i signed uh, signed up with the air force oh really okay. i didn't know that okay oh yeah and then they what they did is they gave me a bunch of tests and they said Hey, you're a pretty smart guy here. Why don't you? So they sent me off to tech school for a year, and then I spent three years uh, uh, with uh, Strategic Air Command and stuff like that. Where was that? Uh, well, that th- that was in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, and the tech school was uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. And this was in the 1960s. Uh, yeah. Oh wow! Very cool. What was yeah. what was that like? Was it fun? Uh, yeah, actually, I was. I mean, I'm. You know, it's a kid that got a gazillion, you know, millions of dollars worth of toys and stuff. Oh yeah, I guess right. <laughs> you know, so that's in a way that's sort of like college in the Air Force in a way. Well, after like I a tech college. After I got back out of, uh, of when I got out of the Air Force, then I got a little more serious because I actually ended up getting getting married, and so I went back and. Uh, got degrees in the computer science and computer electronics and stuff like that. So. Okay, so you, yeah, you definitely have a background in tinkering with high tech uh, devices and. Yeah, and then I went to, I went to work for a old one of the older computer companies, which is still, it merged. Uh, I don't know if your uh, people had know uh, Burroughs Corporation, and then it it actually merged with Sperry Univac to become. What's a company that's called uh, Unisys now? Oh, okay. Okay. And they're still around? Oh, yeah. It's it's around. Um, and so th- I spent about 30 years with them, and then I retired from them. Uh, and then what did I do? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was decided I would uh, – I, I sat around a little bit. Next thing I know, I got a telephone call, and so I went – to saying, hey, you want to go work for these people? So I went down and worked for an uh, outfit called SWIFT, Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you, uh, they're the ones that move money around the world. So, All Right, right, right. Okay, and so I, I worked for them for about eight years and rewrote, you know, rewrote some of their stuff. And, like, so are you talking about getting in and coding software oh, yeah, and such? Yeah. Oh, if you wow. if you want to send uh, like uh, ten million dollars to over to uh, England or France or somewhere like that, then you use my code to do that. Really, it's the truth. It's oh truth. wow! See, well, it's, it's, yeah, no, it actually is, and it but it's actually keeps it keeps changing all the time. 
Um, so anyway, so I le- actually then I, I left them and then I went to work for uh, uh, pat- U.S. Patent and Trademarks for a while. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I did that for a little while. But then everything just, I was waiting for my wife. She was a good bit younger than me. Yeah. And so, ah, I, you cradle robber. <laughs> you. Yeah, well, she was our second wife. <laughs> oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, she's a much more interesting character than I am. But uh, anyway, so, but um, I kept waiting, f- you know, her for her to, to retire and then. We we were going to go live on the beach somewhere or something like that because she always liked the beach and yeah yeah and everything and where where did you have a, a destination in mind not international or Florida just Florida really. oh, okay see gotcha. I'm a, actually I'm a Florida Navy I was born there oh whereabouts uh, actually Jack St Luke's Hospital in Jacksonville Florida oh, okay gotcha yeah. I've got family that live down in St Pete that lives down there yeah 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 well I can go I mean I did uh, my family moved down there to when they were to fight Indians with Andy Jackson. So, oh, way way back. <laughs> I mean, they they've been there for a long time. Yeah, holy smokes. Yeah, how how far back can you take your lineage in the states? In the in the colonies. Um, well, one side of my family goes back to around sixteen twelve. The other another side that goes back to about seventeen thirty. They. I have a, one of my great great grandfathers used to sail a galley around this river up and all. Really? Yeah. It's if you go down to the end of Hilton Head, there's a a cove down there and a, the point th- that's named for my grandfather. Oh, you know, I think you were telling me that yeah, last time we were headed time. over to good old West Marine. Great 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 grandfather. I mean, great great great. Well, I don't know if we're way on back, but anyway, so that's sort of. Hang, hang around here. I've got re- relatives all over the place. Actually, here in in the it, South well, Carolina, just gener- not just, yeah, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia. I mean, they just spread out all over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so um, all right, so that, I mean, that's that's sort of pretty much you know yeah. So you know what happened? Why I'm here is because you know my wife passed away and I. Tried to sit around a little bit. I couldn't sit around, so I just uh, basically divested myself of everything and like it, house, car, all that sort every, of stuff. Well, I still got well, still got the vehicle. I had a couple yeah. of Beamers. I got rid of those and I got myself a little Subaru. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, well, kind of, I, I when I was younger, those uh, being from Northern Michigan with the yeah. all-wheel drive, that's all we ever had. Yeah. What yeah. kind? It's a little Subaru Forester. Oh, the Forester. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Anyway, the um, so what was it? Oh, oh. Um, so you're getting rid of all your stuff. Yeah, I got it. And actually, it turned out to be harder than I thought because I had I have four kids. Yeah. So I said I would just give it to them. Well, they're all grown and they had got. They're all professional sort of uh, people. And so they all have houses. They all have. They actually even have. They all fit. have stuff. Yeah. And so I would say, "Here, take this stuff." We said, "We don't want that stuff. If we want something, they go out and buy it." So, <laughs> so I ended up giving most of it to Habitat for Humanity. Oh, nice, Richard. Yeah. Oh, they think I'm such a wonderful person, and I bet they do. Well, <laughs> you know, though, that's that's. Uh, yeah. I think that's a huge thing that's that's missing. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish there was a whole lot more of that sort of it. 
that's sort of just giving, you know, because yeah. I, you know, those, those sort of things help mm. people out tremendously. Oh yeah, it, it does. And, and so that they make good use of it. And I gave a nice piano to the, uh, one of the local churches there. And so, I mean, my kids are fine. They're all take care of themselves fine. Right. And so anyway, so I got on the boat and, and, and this was, sorry, how long ago was uh, it when you got on the boat? It's actually, I guess, close to three years ago now, because I, I got on the boat, and then I took it down to Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, and hung around there for a little while, and then I turned around, and I went back up to Chesapeake Bay and spent the summer up there. And I was going on my way back to Florida, and I stopped in here to do a couple of things, and the COVID stuff hit. Right, and right. I've been here ever since. <laughs> hey, I hear you. I because I yeah, I mean, I got in here. My yeah. my first year down here was last year, or I, I guess I pulled in in two thousand. Well, it would have been yeah. two thousand nineteen, mm-hmm. but I was gone most of that winter because I was on the book tour, and then was in Michigan in late February yeah. when all the lockdowns started. So mm-hmm. I didn't come back down here until mm-hmm. May, I think, of twenty twenty. Yeah. So but. I'm trying to, you know, I, anyway, I ended up taking more apart than I, so I'm trying to get everything back together so that it, you know, is, is able to uh, travel again. So. Right, right. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so. And it is the plan to go further south? No, I, well, I was going to, originally I was going to go south, south, you know, remember, I don't know if you remember, but Chris was originally making up this thing we were going to get a, he was going to get a group of people together and, and go down to St. Mary's and uh, everybody was going to paint their bottoms. Oh, you remember right, that? Right. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I'm the only one that bought bought paint and I got paint and <laughs> and nobody and went. Nobody everybody else bunked <laughs> out on it. So, I think funny how that happens. <laughs> Chris. So, anyway, I think what I'm going to do is maybe go up to the bay. I uh, there, there's some yards up there that I'll, I'll have them pull it out and yeah yeah and do it because I actually would like to do I did the bottom myself a long t- time ago but I'd like to do it one more time because the nice thing about doing the bottom yourself is you pick over I would like to just pick over everything and yeah see and every a, little look at all the cranny. through holes and look for any yeah. anything that might be a little suspicious you know we we had a um, yeah. At Bitter End, we had an Express 37, and one year we ripped that out and had a really big fin keel. I mean, this thing was a racing machine. It was old. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they were built in Santa Cruz back in the 80s. But, yeah, yeah, you you could see where where the actual keel was put together, had a big crack. And anybody who wasn't really meticulous wouldn't even seen it. They would have painted right over it. But Mm -hmm. uh, luckily we found it. And it was just, you know, the keel bolts had to be retightened and then we re-glassed it and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, being able to pick apart and take a look and examine under the waterline is is pretty huge. I mean, I've always pulled my boat out every single year at least once to be able to inspect it, repaint it, and do all that. Yeah, and I always did that, too. This is the longest it's actually sat in the water. Yeah, so, how long has it been? Three oh, years? No, it was about two. Two it's years. It's not coming up on two. This, well, how's COVID been here? Oh, oh I, too long. But Way too long. Down, yeah. <laughs> well, in the summer, I pulled it out up in the summer, uh, you know, up there in the, on the bay. Right. In the And so that's I'll go back up there and pull it out again. 
Gotcha. Yeah. How and that's do you mind me asking how much is how much do you find that usually costs just to just to yank it out and put it back in like around 500 bucks or something uh, without without the time it's it's usually a little bit uh cheaper you know oh really for just pulling it and uh blocking it and everything yeah yeah and to put it back in that's fine and then they they make their money on the other stuff that they do and stuff. Well, because that's one of the things that I've found is there's a lot of places nowadays where you can't do your own work. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to go through and inspect stuff and maybe a little sanding here and there. But there's a lot of places that... They don't... Yeah, they, don't yeah, they won't let you do it. Some, but I actually, I, I know that the, it's, uh, these yards up there, that's why I really want to go back up in there. Because they'll let you do it? Well, there are some that they they sort of specialize that. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, I, I, mean, I maybe get up and find out the world has changed. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, I'm pretty sure that they'll... Uh, right, right. They'll, you know, they haven't changed. Actually, I'll call them probably before I go and everything when I get ready to go. Well, and that's that's one of the things with with the place that I go up in Maine, up at Knights Marine. I mean, you mm-hmm. can do all the stuff yourself, and it just makes a world of difference. Because yeah, I mean, it's it's expensive to get somebody to do the paint job. I, and you know, I I don't know if I was uh, if I had a little more means, then mm-hmm. I probably would. Just because yeah. doing the bottom paint, I think ranks just a little bit higher on my annoyance meter. Uh, just over varnishing yeah, the cap well, rail. If I, if the reason I want to do this is I want to go over the bottom and, and paint it and make sure it's got a good, good solid base under there. Yeah. And then for at least for some years, I'll let people paint over it because I'll I'll know the underlying is good. Yeah, yeah. And that usually works out a, a little bit cheaper. But I I want to, particularly since it's you know been there and. The, People have been scraping the bottom and stuff like that. And I want to look at it good. And make oh, sure. it'll definitely thin it out. I mean, I, I yeah. always, I end up, you know, when I'm repainting, because I, I typically don't try and sand it too much. Um, and then I just start applying paint and it just starts flaking off underneath because that paint's really sticky. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get pretty lazy because usually my back yeah, hurts yeah. by that point. <laughs> I'm just like, I just keep mopping yeah. more of it on, but... I, yeah. If I can get two coats uh, on this last year, I I ended up buying some strange, I don't know if it was like racing paint. It was it was so they have ablate ablative, which mm-hmm. I think is is where it sort of comes off. It washes off. It yeah. washes off yeah. as you as you go more and more miles, and then this other type. It was more of a harder shell, so when I when I put it on and the boat was out of the water, you could touch it and it wouldn't come off on your hands. Yeah, I, and it was it was like lipstick red, almost hot pink. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I got made fun of up there in the yard in Maine <laughs> the whole time. Makes, makes me wonder what you got there. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, and the the weird thing is now uh, since I have that that little rudder blade for the wind vane out yeah. of the water. Um, that comes off on everything. So I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a mystery. I, I wish that's, that's one thing I, I need to start doing is anytime I'm putting paint on anything, I'm going to take a picture of it mm-hmm. so that I know what I put on. Cause it's always good to typically put the same stuff on. Yeah. Well, when I first got this boat, it had a, 
it, well, it, it had been used for racing and stuff. So it had VC. It had a racing oh, paint okay. on the bottom. And nothing sticks to that stuff. Well, is that the stuff where typically they'll, they'll put it on and they'll sort of sand it? And then they'll put another because I know some some bottom paint, especially on high end race boats, it doesn't even look like bottom paint. It looks like hull paint, like it's like shiny. Yeah, that's VC probably. Yeah, yeah, and and it took, I had to blast all of that stuff off. I mean, it just just looked like I put regular paint on there again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because nothing sticks nothing to it. Nothing will stick to it, right? Yeah, what they use walnut or sodium it, it, baking I, this soda. This is a long t- time and. It was done by some guys that I knew, and I really trusted they were really good with removal. With yeah. They're up there on the bay. There are some really good um, yard places, you know. Yeah. Now, when, when you say up there on the bay, what, what exactly are you talking well, about? On, I go on the northern bay. I'll cross, usually on the eastern shore around well up in the Chesapeake you're talking yeah oh around okay. Rock Hall and farther up around uh, Susquehanna up the towards the Susquehanna and those places uh, actually Rock Hall has got some great guys around there that really know what they're doing and but then other ones to do too you know Hinkley's got yards there. Um, they got, they got a yard on the north side of, uh, um, Annapolis and then over at Oxford on the Eastern shore. I mean, there's been a H- Hinkley yard been there for God knows how long. Well, I mean, the Chesapeake is, yeah. uh, I mean, it's basically the sailing capital of the U S I mean, yeah. a lot of people would disagree. They'd say Newport or San Francisco, but I think there's more boats in the Annapolis Chesapeake area than mm-hmm. there are anywhere else. I would say in the Annapolis US. and San Francisco. That's where the, yeah. the real sailing. Oh, the Newport. Is. The Newport people are going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's all right. Well, can I can I ask you something? So not to go too far back, but so when you were getting rid of, when you were making the transition from mm-hmm. house to boat, first question is what? how, how did that, sort of change your outlook on things and, and just, sure, I guess, change day-to-day stuff when you were pretty much, once you had gotten rid of all this stuff, mm-hmm. all these extra things that, you know, normally people always have, yeah. and then you slim down to a bow. What, what, what sort of change it, was that like? It took me almost two years to get rid of everything. At first, you know, I got, I got rid of, um, you know, I gave most of it away to Habitat for Humanity, Salvation Army, good, and then good. And then I got down to like a ten by thirty. Keep that mic nice oh, and close. We yeah, yeah. I like to ten by thirty, and then I went back and it took me a like a whole summer just to clean out the ten by thirty. And did it did it feel pretty good? I mean, yeah, as far it as really it, liberating it, almost. Well, it, it was. I mean, because it's just stuff. I mean, your reality is it's stuff, and uh, uh, so the. And so I really got down to where I just have, uh, you know, just just me. You know, it's just just enough for me. My kids are all in good shape. Yeah. I don't have to worry about them, you know. And uh, so just me. So. <laughs> well, and and I've always found that a boat has the extraordinary ability of not letting 
a person <laughs> gather up too much stuff. Yes. You know, I, I was at a friend's place and, and, you know, my clothes are starting to get a bit tired. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't really done any big shopping sprees, I guess, since I started doing big, long trips. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've always got friends that are, Oh, Hey, you know, do you need some jeans? You want some sweaters? You want this? Thing? And I just, I have to shake my head. I'm like, my, my closet is the size of a, kitchen cabinet i'm sorry like i don't have room for all this sort of stuff but i appreciate it so i don't know small boats definitely keep you yeah in the minimalist side of things i think yeah well i this i didn't like go out and buy this i had uh i bought this boat like about 12 15 years ago i'm trying to remember now oh you've had it for a long time yeah and my wife and i used to gunk hole around the chesapeake on it Oh, okay. Okay. And so, um, I mean, that's sort of part of why, you know, I, I sort of did this. I didn't go out and get this. I had it. Yeah. And so I just like di- pushed, des- divested myself of everything and then went and got on the boat. And my wife was not doing well for a couple, a few years. And so it had kind of gotten a little bit in disrepair. And it's an older boat too so was it in the water the whole time or was no, it at a boat yard? Uh, no i usually would pull it out and put it in, you know let it dry out good and everything right right you know okay. over the winter up there you know oh right 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 and um and then it put it back in the water so but they are it's crazy how boats are constantly decaying <laughs> and if you are not constantly maintaining yeah. them they just fall right off the rails so fast. Yeah. I mean, there's something about uh, the water and being around the water that really accelerates the entropic process. <laughs> yeah. Good word. Good word. Well, and also, you if you don't use it, yeah, tends to, when mm. you do use it, it's going to break. I know yeah. that with engines, for sure. I mean, it's mm. it, it almost sounds incorrect but if you were to take a sailboat and put it in a glass jar it would still be decaying in there (laughs) the minute you took it out and tried to use it you know everything needs lubrication that's why i always i run my engine like once a week even though Mm -hmm. not going anywhere at least not yet yeah it's always good though these diesels are really tough engines i mean they could you could leave one sit for about five years and come in and you know, clean it up really good and change every, all the oils and everything, and you, you'd have it right. Fire right up. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, well, mine's an old Perkins from, I don't know if it's from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say it's probably from the 80s. I don't think it's yeah. the original engine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I obviously have had a few problems, a few hiccups here and there, mm-hmm. but, boy, I feel like that thing is just made to run and run, and yeah. it wants to run. Yeah, no, yeah, they do. They just yeah, small diesels. They just just run. Actually, big diesel. They don't care. Well, these super fancy ones they put in. Well, even there, they're really good. This, but the trouble is, if you know, in a truck, they put miles on them like crazy. Oh yeah, on yeah, a, yeah. In a truck, yeah. So d- diesels are just tough. <laughs> well, and then nowadays they have to have a computer plugged into them to diagnose a lot of the issues. I know we, we had in some of our bigger boats, so we're talking 375 horsepower diesels. We had John Deere's, mm-hmm. we had Cummings. Um, but the newer John Deere's that we got all, anytime there was a problem, it needed a computer to be plugged into it to get it diagnosed. Yeah. And I, 
cannot stand that. I think that's just the biggest waste. Because a diesel, one of the beauties of it, correct me if I'm wrong, is that simplicity makes it so yeah. that you can diagnose it, troubleshoot it, and fix it well, yourself. The, I, I mean, the, the problem is that they're, they're making the particularly the big ones more sophisticated because all you know all of the uh emission standards, emission standards yeah, and stuff that's like true. that and so that's that's really what's doing it you, you know they don't nowadays they frown on you puffing a bunch of black smoke out the oh yeah <laughs> well if you're if your boat's puffing a bunch of black smoke you better take it in to get it repaired anyway because yeah. it shouldn't be doing that yeah. i always worry about it. like i during this winter when it was pretty chilly, I'd get that thing to fire up and, you know, I, oh, is that steam or is that, you know, white smoke? I mean, there's all sorts of different symptoms, mm-hmm. but normal, normal operation. I can run that thing for 48 hours and everything seems to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood. <laughs> no, <laughs> it'll, it'll just run. They'll just run and run and run and run. Yeah, they are yeah. pretty good. Yeah. But wow. Anyway, so um. <laughs> so now you're on the boat, and yeah. like I said, I mean, one of the things that I'm always seeing, you're always tinkering with something. There's always you're adding another antenna or another system. What what were you working on just now with the? Uh, oh gosh, what is it? Is that it's not with the auto helm? No, no, no I mean. Today I'm just greasing my rudder shaft. Greasing the rudder shaft. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And probably what you're thinking about is I put AIS in the, on the boat. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I wanted wanted to do that, and because uh, nowadays it, AIS is really almost like essential equipment if you're traveling a good bit. Oh, I think so. I I yeah. use it all the time. Obviously, when yeah. I'm alone, I mean, I still have to sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not a lot of traffic typically where I sail, but mm-hmm. at the same time, that can get you into trouble because you start <laughs> thinking, ah, nobody's around here. I just, no problem at all. But I don't know. I typically end up sort of turning the, at least turning the alarm off and everything when I'm coming up the river or whatever, because the thing just beeps and beeps. But yeah, I, I think it's slowly replacing uh, radar on a lot of boats. Yeah. The, the reason that I, put the radar on there and i wanted to have that is because particularly sailing close to the coast I, my impression is that you get a lot of these fishing boats that the fishing boats that don't uh, you can move the uh, microphone too yeah. if you want feel free get comfortable richard yeah. you're doing great by the way are you enjoying the interview? It's fine well we're just talking that's all. we're just talking yeah exactly exactly um, but anyway I, I wanted to have the radar because you got these fishing boats that are bad about turning off their AIS. That's something I've, yeah, I've had a ton of, so a ton it, of that. So you have the radar to give you a backup for if you're not, if they're, they got a, they're running AIS silent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, then you get, you got the radar to still. Well, and I, you know, again, I, I sort of don't dive in, I guess, with a lot of stuff as much as I should, but when, can you, is it pretty easy to switch your AIS so that you're only receiving and you're not sending? Yeah. You can do that even on like the type that we have. Cause mm-hmm. you, we've got, so there's two types. There's type a, which is for commercial vessels, container ships, uh, fishing yeah. vessels. And then there's type B, which is what you'd find on, you know, my boat or yeah. know, a small so that, private That's boat. really about the rate at which tra- you, 
they're sending out mess, you know, transmitting messages and stuff like that. Oh, okay. These commercial guys, they they're sending them really fast, like pleasure craft. They're they're not so concerned about it, but nowadays all AIS units are supposed to have also a silent mode, so that and it I think it was uh, caused by the fact that the AIS was having was being used in areas with pirates. So that you can, if you're in, oh. a, in a vicinity where it's known to have pirates around, yeah. you can flick it in the silent mode. Oh, that's smart. Okay. Yeah. That's that's always the question I always get asked is about pirates. What what I do if there's pirates around? And I, I have the same answer. I've never seen any. <laughs> I, stay, well, I stay 400 miles off of any... Yeah, uh, so, you know, yeah, suspected the pirate, ghost. The pirates don't run four hundred miles out. So. No, typically they don't. No, yeah. but I, you know, I have, uh, I do, I, I, I would say, when I, when I pass, you know, like Cape Verde Islands, which is not known for any piracy or anything mm-hmm. like that. I think the one time where I was a little bit nervous was a very small island called, I think it's called Sao Paul Island in the middle of the Atlantic, near the equator. And I think it's just like a fishing port, Mm -hmm. tiny little thing. Um, But I was a little nervous there, and I I got approached by an old derelict sort of looking fishing boat Mm -hmm. uh, on the big trip around the world. And that that was pretty spooky because they they were just coming right for me, and they weren't – they didn't have AIS or anything like that. And it just looked like a rust bucket. So it was – I was like, well, what are these guys doing? It's hard. It's hard to know. I've read about things two ways. I mean, you normally t- you have a tendency to think that they're pirates, but sometimes they just want to be friendly. Yeah, these <laughs> guys were trying to sell me fish. Oh, they. Oh, okay. yeah. And I, I, you know, I if if I wasn't so nervous about them approaching, yeah, I probably would have taken them up on the offer. But I, you know, can you imagine a, a eighty foot fishing boat slowly <laughs> backing up, and then a wave catches it just wrong, and it smashes a hull. Mm-hmm. Right in my my side. Yeah, not good for Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Um, so where where when did you learn how to sail? Oh, I guess I was about in my teens somewhere. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I had used to have a little boat, and I'd sit, you know sail it around the rivers and stuff like that. And uh, that was I'll actually tell you the truth. That's the most fun sailing that there is. Small boat sailing, small boats. wet and wild. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so yeah, I used to sail like that um, a good bit. And then um, I actually crewed at least one time on a you know a ocean racer that and. Um, not for the race, but just to uh, transport it and stuff. And oh, where where was that from? Uh, well, actually, they, it, we were taking it from uh, Cape Fear down to Miami. Oh, nice yeah. offshore. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was nice. But then uh, after all of that, then I kind of got off into my career and stuff for you know a long time. And, right, right, right. And then. Uh, uh, so I c- kind of got back into sailing about 15 years ago or so. Okay. Now, yeah. what what was your favorite small boat? You know, just actually, I don't know, just a little, 
you know, little sloop, not nothing big. I mean, really? I, I didn't do it, pick any r- r- real one. Oh, you didn't have any like fanfare. Mine, mine no. was the Hobie sixteen, through and through. That was what I actually learned how to sail on. Uh, well, yeah, but this actually, what I would sail on is just these little, just a little sloop. You know, you know? right, right. Yeah, it's by yourself. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Done a lot of teaching. I, I I started teaching sailing when I was about 21, I think, yeah. shortly after learning how to sail. And it was mm-hmm. on a boat called a Butterfly, yeah. which is like a 12-foot. It kind of looks like uh, one of those e-scows, those really <laughs> fast. They, I mean, there's like no freeboard at all. It's just this, it looks like a surfboard with a giant sail. Yeah. This is a mini version of them. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, those things yeah. were a lot of fun. But anyway, when I, you know, when I lost my wife and I sort of said, well, you know, what I do. So I, that's why I kind of got on this boat and it needed some uh, fixing up and things. And so I just start working along on the boat and fix fixing this and fixing that and traveling around and stuff like that. And, and then you wound up here. Yeah, I got that care, and I'm trying to get busy so that I can get moving again. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I I hear you. I know yeah. that. I know that feeling. Well, so were were you ever planning for for you and your wife to take off on the boat? Was that sort no, of the game we, plan? We never were that. She wanted a little cottage on the beach somewhere or something like that. So. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that would have been nice. Actually, uh, yeah, that would have been that would have been really nice. Though I don't know if it would have been quite as healthy for me because one of the things I've sort of discovered is, you know, that being on the boat and constantly doing things and stuff like that is really good for your health. <laughs> it does. It keeps you moving and you have to do these sort of physical things, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah, sometimes uh, if you're surrounded by big giant couches and huge TVs and people to do all the stuff for you. Yeah. You don't even have to do anything. Well, you know, my personal observation is, I you know, I have a number of cousins. I I got uh, sisters and things and that are about my age, and a lot of them, you know, sit down. They like got a condo on the beach or something around, and their health is declining unbelievably fast. Whereas mine's holding up. <laughs> nice, you, <laughs> you found know? the fountain of youth, sir. Well, you know, I. It, I really think that sitting around is not a good idea. I agree with you there for sure. Yeah, it, it's just you start atrophying, and next thing you know, you're in a assisted living home. That's what happens. Well, and you know, it also it's mental as well because yeah. if you're not if you're not challenging yourself, and it, you know, boats are great for that. I mean, jeez, <laughs> they will throw so many problems your way that you have to figure out and solve i mean yeah. geez yeah just about the, if if you think you got it figured out just wait <laughs> yeah just give it about 10 minutes try and run that engine a few times are are you as skilled with um engines as you are with you know some of the electronic stuff um well yeah from a i mean i, I don't i wouldn't say i'm really skilled but i'm pretty good skilled see when I, when I was a teenager, I liked hot rods, and so I used to work on hot rods and oh, stuff wow. like okay. that. And uh, so I have certain mechanical skills, so it all just sort of translates trans- over, yeah. Yeah. I, I've always had the dream of owning and fixing up an old 1940s Jeep Willys. 
Oh. That's been the that's been the goal. But I the problem is I've never been I haven't been in one place for long enough to actually own a car. Well, which kind of willies are you? Yeah, the old army jeeps. Oh, you want a a, a jeep? Jeep oh, okay. will, yeah, like the old a super 40s classic. Ear, not yeah, yeah. No, you don't want a jeep stir. You want a jeep. Yeah, a real I want jeep. a jeep, a real one. The no roll bar, none of that oh, stuff. The you're wind, ta- you're talking the window pretty, you can lay down. You're talking pretty pricey. Those uh, no, the ones that are uh, left are come uh, with a premium on them because you're not the only one that wants. You one. can oh, you go <laughs> go on eBay. You'll find them for under ten grand, but. You can find project authentic, ones. Uh, you mean authentic ones? Oh, yeah, because a lot of them are just rusted out. Oh, you mean you know. it's all rust, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's got to be a project. I've got yeah. a buddy of mine up in Maine. He can basically rebuild any kind mm-hmm. of automobile, and he loves doing it. And he always said that if I can find a Willys up there, we can work on it at the yard. But mm-hmm. he's got to get out of prison first. So that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> See you this summer, bud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um yeah i've always wanted one but like i said i i don't know it's interesting because i i've been living on that boat now for over five years or just oh, about okay. five years and mm-hmm. it's been an absolute blast but at the same time there are things that you know you have to sort of give up um that i sort of do miss i mean would be nice sometime to like have a house, I suppose, but boy, that's that's so far beyond any budget that I realistically ever mm-hmm. feel like I could have. Um, but no, just uh, something like having a car or a dog. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm sort of back and forth. You know, I got this car right here, and I was thinking about getting rid of it and everything because everything's a hassle. Now, the trouble if you stay along the the. Um, you know, along the ICW on the coast, along the coast here, it's nice to have a uh, a car. Right. Yeah. Because not every marina is like this with the yeah the well, particularly complimentary uh, car. Some really nice marinas along the eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay, but you can't survive there without a car. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They're because they're all isolated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and. Um, so you, you got to have a car for that and just get actually just getting there and getting back. So you, it's a great sailing the boat in there. Yeah. But then, then I mean, you're sort of stuck. It's like you get an Uber everywhere <laughs> if you can even do that. Yeah. Well, I was in, uh, are you familiar with um, Patriots Point up in Charleston? It's the one with the big aircraft carrier and oh, all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a nice little marina resort there. It's mm-hmm. fancy. It's super expensive. It's nice though. Um, but to get to the grocery store, it's like, uh, I want to say it was over a mile. Yeah. And I had a skateboard, that same one that I have here. And so I would ride that and go to the grocery. But even to just go to the nearest gas station and get six-pack or something, mm-hmm. it was like almost a mile as well. And mm-hmm. when you're carrying, I used to take my backpack, and I'd fill that up with as much stuff. And then I'd have two bags in my hands and skateboarding down the yeah. sidewalk and I just, yeah, I mean, they, they supposedly had some sort of complimentary little bus, but it always went at really bad times, and I don't know. Just, <laughs> never when you wanted to go. <laughs> never when I wanted. I, well, I'm, I'm I, and it, this this was way before even COVID and stuff, but I, I've always gone grocery shopping after 7 o'clock, you know, oh. right around dinner time because the place is empty. Yeah. And it takes two seconds, and then you're out of there. 
You, know, you go during the middle of the day, and holy smokes. Yeah, what's it like up in Maine? I mean, is grocery stores close by, walking distance? Or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're the the nearest one up there. They're called Hannaford's, and uh, I want to say it's a mile, maybe just just a shade under a mile yeah. away. And I'll sometimes I'll skateboard up there if I don't have to get too much stuff. But mm-hmm. if I have to, you know, when I get up there and I need to restock everything, then, then I'll usually, they have, they have a, a cab company there, oh, which okay. those are disappearing. But because Rockland is also the, the, the marina is right next to the ferry terminal because yeah. there's all those islands out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pretty thriving little yeah. taxi company. Well, yeah, actually, I mean, I'm okay in the sense that I, I've got a bike on the, on the boat. Actually, I have to show you sometimes. It actually hangs from the ceiling in the cabin roof. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Yeah. Uh, Is it an electric one or just regular no, bicycle? No, just a regular. Oh, okay. Yeah, you yeah. Know, regular. Uh, not a full-blown mountain bike, but sort of. Pretty close. Do they have tiny wheels? No. Oh, okay. It's a have regular you seen bike. those fold-up ones? You well, can fold them up. Yeah, into I the... know. You see those, those sort of things. Now, this is a regular bike that I had, and. The good thing about it is you can take the front wheel off. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, Storage so I take easy. the front wheel off and and I put the hooks, you know, bike hooks on the on the cabin roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I hang it from the bike hooks, and then I uh, take a little. Uh, well, I, I I pull it over to the side so that it's sitting like this in the. Uh, I'm, I'm showing my. I'm showing. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> for our audience now, Richard has his hand extended. It's vertical. I put, I put now it it's sort of diagonal. diagonal. So, that, <laughs> so that it's uh, back. Uh, it's and it, so it's it's sitting there, kind of like a chandelier over the. Yeah, CD. yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. There you go. It's not yeah, bad setup. And then I tuck the wheel in behind it so that it's it sits up. You know, so it's in out of the way over there. Right. You know, it, it kind of uses up what's pretty much dead space yeah yeah and um so i mean so i can take that down and go ride or you know go ride it somewhere if i need to yeah yeah well and that i mean that comes in handy for sure i mean you know it's one thing i i've i've never shied away from walking a couple of miles to go get something i learned Mm -hmm. that on the appalachian trail but yeah if i don't have to i won't (laughs) this is why i like it here too because I mean, well, Publix is almost a mile away, I suppose, yeah. but there's the, there's you know a Dollar General. There's there's a few shops right across the street, which make it pretty easy. I don't think I know of any. Pl- I sort of like stopped a lot of places up and down the ICW, and this is the one that seems to be the most convenient. You could, you know, if you stop here, you can walk to every anything that you need just about so, right you know well, well i you know i keep hearing a lot of good stuff about uh oriental have you ever been up there yes actually i stayed there for a week or so and, and that's I, north and I, carolina right oh uh, yes mm-hmm. what do you think about that place it's pretty good yeah. the actually the nicest thing about that is um the the local grocery store the piggly wiggly yeah yeah runs a shuttle Oh really? Yeah. The, the, oh, there you the, go. The Piggly Mobile. <laughs> That's what they call it. And so, actually, if you need stuff from there, I mean, you can just anchor there, uh, there in a uh, dinghy over to the town, the little town dock. Oh, okay. And call up the grocery store, and they'll come get you and take you over to the grocery store. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. 
Now, if you want to stay for a while, uh, they have this motel in Mar- you know, the Oriental Motel in Marina. And, yeah. And so I, that's where I stayed for about a week. You know, you can actually stay in the motel or you can stay on your boat there and uh, slip. So they, they have slips, too. Do they have a pretty extensive dock system? Dock system? Yeah. Yeah, like is it m- more docks than we've got here sort of thing? Uh, no, actually, fewer. It's just a, uh, that's a small thing. Now, I haven't been there, but I want to go around to Deaton's, I think it's called, because that's supposed to be a pretty extensive uh, place. It's it's just outside of Oriental, right on the oh, edge okay. of it. Yeah. yeah, see, that's the thing. I've never, I've never been to any of those places. Mm-hmm. One of these days... I think, I think a lot of it for me though is just because I'm by myself, doing the intercoastal, trying to keep a watch, mm-hmm. doing all that sort. Of, it's it's very stressful when you're alone. But you know, when you have a couple of people, all of a sudden, then it can be pretty fun. You know, when yeah. you're docking up, you're not doing it by yourself. You can keep an eye out, and you can switch. You know, you can go down below and use the head, mm-hmm. or check something, do this or that. You know, one of these days, I'd like to. I don't know. I'd like to transition onto a bigger boat with more crew, or a crew. <laughs> with, with a crew. <laughs> a crew would be kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, the last, uh, last week when we were talking about um, all the different nav lights and stuff, you, mm-hmm. were, you, were, ta- you were telling me that you were sort of trying to um, bone up on your, on your regulations and rules and all that sort of stuff. Why were you uh, – what, what was getting you into that? Well, I wanted to make sure that I had everything. I, I don't know. I just sort of do this kind of stuff. And I wanted to make sure that I uh, understood how it should all be for particularly like going offshore. And my sort of mind in my mind right now is uh, if, you know, running offshore, I'll sail for a while. So which means you got one light configuration. Right. But then from time to time, when I run the batteries down, I'll motor sail for a while. Now that, and that changes your light configuration. Yeah. Now, I know we were talking, and you were said you pull your jib down when, uh, when you, uh, do motor sailing. Yeah. But I, again, I, there's a lot of times, I mean, I, I typically just run my tricolor up top. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I don't even, I, I never change it. The only time I'll change my lights if I'm headed, if I'm, if I'm in an area where there's a lot of fishing traffic mm-hmm. and it's nighttime, like near George's Bank off Cape Cod and all that, yeah. then I'll usually just turn my deck lights on. So my, my red and green up forward and then the stern light because those are bright and those fishing boats, you know, they're not looking for tricolors at the top of mass 50 feet up. They're mm-hmm. looking at the waters, yeah. you know, the water surface. Now you can check up on me, but technically, if if you're running a tricolor, you're saying you're under sail. Right, exactly. You're not yeah. running your motor. It says you're not running your motor. I believe that is correct. And I, you know, it's one of those things I had to learn all every single one, you know, flashcards, all that stuff to get my RYA captain's license. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's one of those things. When you're not doing commercial work, <laughs> boy, a lot of those rules just go right out the window. I mean, I still have my little manual and everything, so I could study yeah. up on it. But, you know, shoot, in the Southern Ocean, I don't think I ever use my nav lights. 
but there's nobody down there, so yeah, you might as well just turn everything off. So. Yeah, well, yeah. a particular switch everything over to LED. It's not so bad, but burning those halogens is, is oh yeah, it's eating. You know, I got rid of the only. I only have two halogens on my boat, and they're they're what I call uh, accent lights. So <laughs> right over my dining room table, as I like to call it, and then in the cockpit and. Those are the only everything else is LED because yeah. man, it's just it's and and those I would only ever use if I'm mm-hmm. either running the engine or I'm plugged into shore power. Yeah, but anyway, so I mean that's that's really what I was trying to do is work out exactly what should be for being legal, you know, in these various configurations like sail only or right, you know, and just for your own. Your own knowledge bank, basically. Well, you, you you remember I just got through going through my career, you know, sort of career, and that's that's the way I am. I yeah, want yeah. I want to know exactly exactly gotcha. what, what are you <laughs> using to study that stuff right now. Well, actually, I was looking at the, uh, Colin Regs and comparing them. I had a little handbook that I got. Um, I don't know who made it up that showed me some configurations, and then cross-referencing the Colin Regs, uh, the inland version of it, and uh, to make sure that it all, you know, that I understood and synced and where it all came from. And some of it's confusing in the sense that um, if you just, you know, if you just read the Colin Regs from beginning to end, yeah, there are legitimate configurations that you can mix and match with, but it's not obvious because you're just reading from beginning to end. Oh, yeah. And you don't catch that. Right. Well, and it also depends on how you're sort of studying it as well. I know we we came into a problem where when we were trying to learn this stuff, it was all flashcards and and pictures. And then we got on board with our examiner over in over in England. And he would just say, you see a red, two whites and a yellow. What are you looking at? And you'd be like trying to picture this card in your head. And so I think it was just one of those things where we had learned a certain way, expecting to be shown these cards. And they were trying to test us in a different realm. I mean, we, we sort of figured it out after a while because you look at those things enough and it's like, holy cow. But uh, yeah. Though I, what's, the, uh, what's the weirdest light configuration you've ever seen in real life? In real life? Uh-huh. Oh, I... I don't know that I've really seen that in real life. Uh, I'll bet you've seen some dredgers and stuff. They've got a pretty yeah. messed up one where it's like two reds, two greens. I don't even know. I can't even, yeah, can't yeah, even yeah, remember. Well, the, you know, the, the yellow, the, to, to me, if, you, if you're seeing yellow, you better figure out where you are. Yeah, right. I mean, anytime you see <laughs> yellow, you're going. And if you see flashing yellow, you are really <laughs> in for it. Well, let me ask you this one. Just, what to, if, just uh, to test, because this one was the easiest because it was the most odd. But uh, yeah. if you see three green in a triangle. Three green. Mm. It's a minesweeper. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Green. Multiple greens. It does say my mine mine clearing yeah. mines. Yeah. Well, what about blue? You don't blue? see that very often. What about blue? 
blue. I, isn't that like the police boat? Yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah. That's police. Yeah. That's sort of a different one. And I don't if know if you see blue, pull over. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Run! I one time out middle of the South Atlantic, I saw two red, and that was it. And that's the signal for not under command. Yeah. And there was no nav lights, so no deck lights or anything showing. So it wasn't underway. It wasn't, or no, it was underway, but it wasn't making way. So it wasn't anchored. It was just drifting, but it wasn't in forward or reverse. There's all sorts of that. It's it's such a funny thing how exacting those things have to be. Yeah. And it's obvious. I mean, it has to because if you have a collision, somebody's going to have to be at fault, you know, so they have to be able to figure it out. So those rules have to be super specific. But because mm-hmm. I think making way means that you're actually have some sort of propulsion. Mm-hmm. Underway wow. means that you are not tied or anchored to anything. Mm-hmm. And that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I need, ultimately, I need to bone up on still more of that. I was specifically looking, when I was going through it, I was looking for configurations for my boat. Right, what, yeah. What, what were the... Oh, I wanted to make sure that I knew everything that I would want, to, every light configuration that I might need to put on my boat. And like I said, the oddest one I discovered, and it took me a while to unravel it, was that um, if, if you're motor sailing, you, you can all around white and side lights. That's actually the correct motor sailing. See, and that's, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, I do remember there used to be issues where, because like a, a pilot vessel, I think it's white over red pilot in bed. That was what we always learned. Yeah. <laughs> and then red over white frying tonight. That's a fishing vessel. Um, yeah, I don't know. We, we had all these rhymes and stuff like that. But there yeah. are ways, sort of, what you're talking about, where it sort of contradicts one thing over the other and to get it really precise well, the thing that i was like i said i was trying to figure out like we were talking and you said well you, you normally you see a ste- your steaming light is on the mast so if you've got a jib up you're covering your steaming light well yeah off to one side yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's for sure right so usually though it'll illuminate the sail so that that can kind of turn but into that your doesn't light. technically count. You're supposed to be able to see it for two miles, so it oh, right. Well, okay, yeah. Now, side lights, you know, they're always placed so that you can see them with sails or right, right, right. exactly. And, yeah, and that's actually the other thing that I've learned. You know, side lights mean you're red and green, they don't mean they don't talk about that's a stern light, stern, it's separate yeah. from your side lights, right? Side right. lights, you're, you're forward, red, and green, that's what side lights are. It's really, it's, it's, it can get, it can get a little daunting for sure. But, uh, you know, when in doubt and and that, well, I was going to say when in doubt, turn them all on, but that actually screws people up. (laughs) Now you're making everything very confused. I mean, I, I've turned, I've had to turn my, um, my spreader lights that illuminate the whole boat, the deck and everything super bright. Um, when, uh there's a question of whether or not a ship sees me mm-hmm. um and that's typically just if if it's looking a little too close for comfort i can't get them on the radio which i i never seem to be yeah, able to get people to respond there's some write-up but i can't remember it all off it but actually 
I mean, you should have all your nav lights. But then, particularly for ships, they say turn on your your deck your deck lights. They that that's actually in the regs about lighting up your boat. Yeah. So that you can see that it's see what it is. Right. And that, but that should be below your nav lights. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I have I have one secret weapon. Especially, and it's really only emergencies um, as far as either being rescued, I suppose, or just making sure that someone sees you. But uh, I don't know if it's legal or not, but like uh, I have a really high-powered laser pointer, a green one, that I use just for doing star lectures and things like that. Mm -hmm. But you can also pinpoint, you know, the control room of a container ship pretty easily. And that will not go unnoticed. So if I was, if I was, if it was at night and I was basically just on a collision course and I couldn't get this guy on the radio, if I hit him up with that, he's definitely going to notice yeah. there's something right out there. Uh, right. Just so long as it doesn't blind him. So. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> hey, you know, if it's the choice between blinding him or running me over, I don't know. I'm not going to do that. But I don't recommend that. That's just, uh, like yeah. I said, an absolute last, last, uh, yeah. Last resort, emergency sort of thing. Well, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Well, Richard, believe it or not, we're already at an hour. Wow. I know. Crazy, this right? This has been an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? I, I just like to, I mean, I, I like to sit down with, I, see, sailors, I shouldn't even say sailors, but people who are on boats uh, typically have such an interesting story because it's just not the norm of how yeah. you went from this to that to now all of a sudden you live life on the water. And it's always pretty cool. And I mean, I, I would have never, never known about all the stuff way back in the past. Man, I feel like we, we might need to do a follow-up because I'd love to hear more about the history of your family roaming around in these parts on the old-time <laughs> ships. Do you know a lot about that? Well, some, some I know about because I got interested and started looking around, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. All so. right. Well, hey, I'll, I'll let the listeners... Uh, I don't get very many comments on this. I don't even know if I can find a place where I can look at comments, but uh, if people want to hear more from Richard, I'll, I'll, I, I'm here for another week, so we could maybe do another one if you wanted to. Who knows? But I feel like we only scratched the surface. Well, if I'm, I mean, my current goal is I want to get myself in shape where I can uh, winter in the Bahamas and summer in Maine. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. And now, and so that's what I'm working towards. Where, where up in Maine? Anywhere? I don't know where yet. Doesn't even matter. Gotcha. <laughs> Somewhere gotcha. in Maine. <laughs> Very cool. Well, when do you, what, what's, uh, do you have a time frame for your goal? Well, there? the next year or two, you know. Yeah. Cause I, well, listening to Dave and Peggy, I mean, I don't know if you heard their story about being over in the Bahamas and then yeah. she tested positive for COVID. Mm -hmm. Then they had to leave. The weather was bad, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to get Dave on the show as well. But um, yeah, I would imagine that by next winter, the Caribbean is probably going to open wide. Yeah, with arms wide open, hoping that they'll get as many tourists down there as possible because it's just been They're such a rough couple of years. Huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for uh, the BVI in the Bahamas, I mean, you're talking 2017 Hurricane Irma Maria rebuilding and all that sort of stuff and then the bahamas they get hit by it wasn't was it adrian 
Uh, yeah, it could be. It was the one that sat on them and just oh, that just it pounded them to death. Yeah. Oh man, just sat on them. And then, then you have COVID coming in, which everybody mm-hmm. has shut down. I mean, in the, all those economies, outside of just a few of those islands, it's all tourism. Yeah. So that's how these people are are feeding their families and everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, a lot of them still have restrictions and stuff, but I think they are opening up slowly. Yeah. So. All right, this has been fun, actually. Hey, yeah, I know. See, that's the thing. Everybody always thinks it's going to be this crazy, nerve-wracking thing. It's not like a job interview. It's just a casual convo. I have to put in a good word with Dave, because I think he's got some good stories. I know he does. I've had dinner over on their boat a few times, uh, and it's hilarious listening (laughs) to some of his stuff, but... I, and I also want to get, I'd like to get a cat sailor, you know, he, yeah. he's got the catamaran and, you know, I, all I've ever spoken with are people that are monohull. Yeah. So us old slow boats, I'd like to hear uh, some stories yeah. from him and Peggy too. Who knows? Yeah. Well, Richard, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, any, any parting last words of wisdom? No, I'm just keep doing it. <laughs> That's all you can do. There we go. Awesome. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoy the podcast and want to support it, just go to podbean.com and you can become a patron and keep the show on the air. Also, if you like the music at the beginning, the album is called Deep Teal and the artist is Adrian Edson. It's available on Amazon Music. And if you want the full story of the trip around the world, the book, the Kindle book, and the audiobook can all be found on amazon.com, Sailing Into Oblivion, the solo nonstop voyage of the mighty sparrow. Fair winds and following seas.